professor. Top of the morning. Welcome to the backdrop. We've got a fun episode today. I'm, you know, I don't consume a lot of barstool sports, but I like their, I like the people that work for them. I know they're really smart individuals, so I'm going in a little bit blind. But heavy hitter, so heavy uh, hitter, Dan Rapaport. He's gonna have good things on. to say. I bet. Yeah, Dan. Dan's been. I, I was a fan of his at Golf Digest, and and before that at Sports Illustrated. So I, I think this is gonna be a, uh, a riveting episode. So we should probably just get to it, dive in. But you got any fun facts for us today? Anything we can learn from the professor? I do, and it relates to something he wrote uh, about the U.S. Open. We're about to head into the, the British Open about he wanted the U.S. Open to be more of a test. And just made oh, me hold, think hold, of, hold on. We got a lot of listeners in Scotland, Kevin. I got to correct uh, you. It's the Open Championship. Sorry, presented the, by her Royal the, Majesty. The right. Open. The Open. <laughs> Although, historically, that actually goes back and forth, right? I, I think there's an article about, out there about that mm-hmm. or something. But no. Testing, you know, I live in education. Testing is a huge thing. And I, I'm thinking about the the Open versus the U.S. Open. And in testing, um, there's kind of two different, very dis, disparate perspectives you can take on it. Where like one, it's about testing around a benchmark, right? So you build around a benchmark and you either pass that benchmark or you don't. Um, the other way you build, so it's a binary result. The other way you build testing is a way that you can gain insights into the population. And so then you actually compare them to each other as well in a more strategic way. So not only about the individual themselves, but then also comparing them. One is like a good example would be, let's use a math example. Like, can you recite pi to a hundred decimals? That's a very just benchmark oriented question. Difficult. It's difficult in its own way, but it's a benchmark. Yeah, you recited it or no, you didn't. Another one would be like, okay, what's the, the best way to mow your lawn and use mathematics to explain that? Completely much more diverse space to work within, right? There's no benchmark there by which you're going to say, yeah, you answered the question or you didn't, right? You have to outlay an argument. So those are two very different ways to, to form a test. Um, it makes me think about this whole U.S. Open versus the open argument, even going back to LACC a while ago that... You know, the old form of the U.S. Open was very much that, that former version of a test. Very binary, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's right there in front of you what you need to do. You need to hit it straight. You need to hack out of the rough. You're in the rough. Like, there's no complexity to that issue. It's hard. Hard as can be, but there's no complexity. Then I think about, like, LACC a little bit and people's complaints, but then what the Open is so great about, it's that more complex test, right? That you kind of define the test as you go along, and you get to, you get to navigate and create the space. And a lot of people be like, sometimes that's easy, but I was I'm like, no, it's still very, very hard. It's just a different type of hard. It's a hard in which you have to be the creator. You have to be, you have to be an artist almost to to perform out um, at it. So, anyways, yeah, two forms of testing in terms of breaking them apart. And um, you know, in golf, I wish we'd see more of the latter, the more complex one than than the former. So, I'm not going to write that article about the U.S. Open going back to being what the USGA was doing. I'm kind of excited about the LACC and, you know, RIV in the future and, and those types of places. We, we got we got so much to talk to Dan about, but I know, I think he might take, uh, at least in the US Open, if I recall his articles around that, I think he wants that carnage and and uh, seeing, you know, guys just screaming at the golf course and their USGA officials. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, gosh, the Open to me is the perfect championship. Oh. Like, and I'm I'm obviously a, a very biased in that, but the Lynx golf test, the the variability of it, the the idea that there's not one way to go about it. Uh, you know, you can hit two irons like Tiger did all day at at St Andrews and lap the field, or you could, you know, 
bomb it uh, off the tee like John Daly on the same course under very similar conditions too. Like it's so fascinating to me of, of it's so much more interesting to me than the U.S. Open. Now the U.S. Open though, I, I give them credit for, I believe they're attempting to come up with a variety of different tests, right? LACC added some width. It brought, they attempted to bring in some firm and fast conditions. They, they kept the rough there, but it was obviously not as in, impactful with the width. And, and so that, that to me, I, I commend that they, they maybe are, are going down the route of, hey, there's different ways that we're going to test. And, and uh, I know that doesn't make everybody happy, but I think the open is more, no, this is how we test. This is like, it, it, we, they're blessed with conditions. And I think that's part of the challenge. But uh, I, I almost think that the regions when, and, and the road uh, for US Open, I almost think it'd be cool if they just attached an identity to each region because mm-hmm. you're going to have the same climate, because you're going to have the same conditions in that time of year. I, I would almost say like, hey, if you have a Northeast uh, uh, U.S. Open, this is what you can expect. If you have a West Coast U.S. Open, this is what you can expect. And I know there's some variability amongst courses and venues, even in those ge- geographies, but that, that's kind of what my my personal uh, gut would say. Um, I, yeah, I mean, love that. I love that because then you have, they could fit, there'd be more of a fit to the region too. And when they go there, rather than like when they go to these places and they feel like they have to make them tight and tough, it's like completing an antithesis of what the course is designed on. So they could yeah. totally like, yeah, make it more natural. Like, hey, this is how this course is supposed to play as a U.S. Open. For sure. And uh, gosh, we got a lot to get to with Danny Rapp. So we, we better jump to it. Uh, before we do that, you know, big reason we're having them on is, is Barstool's involved in this uh, event that has been a proud supporter of this podcast, the NV5 Invitational presented by Old National Bank. The Golf's future stars are coming back to the Glen Club. New summer dates. It's next week, July 25th through 30th. Corn Ferry Tour is heating up. There's a lot of guys playing great and, and emerging. You know, this event has always released to who's coming next. Cameron Young, Will Zalatoris, Scotty Scheffler. I've said that a bunch, but it's true. These guys have won the event and then won on the next stage. So if you're in Chicago, uh, tickets are available at nv5invitational.com. You can secure them there. All-inclusive experiences are available at The Hangar, presented by Corona Premier, and you can find out who's next. Kevin, let's get to the show. Let's do it. Dan Rappaport, welcome to the bag drop. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We had a little technical difficulties getting set up, but I think we're good to go now. Hey, technical difficulties was better than what I was dealing with. Before you came on, I doused myself in coffee this morning. That's exactly how I was wearing my nice Western Golf Association pullover from Peter Millar and uh, just doused myself. Hot coffee or iced coffee? Hot coffee, my friend. Hot. Yikes. How's your skin doing? Uh, No, I think I I absorbed a little bit of it. So I'm I'm extra jazzed. And uh, that was actually one of my first questions for you was going to be, your motor, sir, what kind of motor are you working with? Do you take caffeine in like the back of your kneecap to cover <laughs> the ground that you do in the game of golf? Um, I've got a very uh, understanding wife is is where I'll start. Um, yeah, look, I'm 28. So I feel like I'm, you know, I don't want to say in the prime of my career because I, I hope that I, I have my brain working at full capacity for a lot, a while longer, but I don't have children. And so I feel like if there's a time to really put the pedal down, it's now. Uh, I enjoy traveling. Uh, I I actually enjoy traveling a lot more now that I am married. When I first started this job, 
I know that's good. That's a terrible. She's gonna take I'm that. Deep deep way. Way. Let me let me explain. You, you, you let, me explain. let me explain. Let Here, me explain. Here's your shovel. Keep digging. Go ahead. Let me explain. <laughs> When I, when I first started this job, I was single. And so, you know, you'd be gone for three or four weeks, you know, in a row or three weeks in a row. And you feel like you're missing, you're missing everything. And you're like, oh, if I keep traveling like this, am I ever going to meet someone? Am I ever going to have a life? Now I have stability on the home front. Um, I, you know, it's, she comes with me a lot. So it, it's a lot better now, uh, that I feel like I have a life at home. But, uh, the, the, this is a long winded answer of saying I'm young. I don't have kids. Uh, and I enjoy this stuff. It doesn't really feel like work. So, so it's not hard for me to to fire up the the juices to get on a plane to another beautiful, warm place to walk another golf course and, you know, hang around the best players in the world. Like, I, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Yeah. Perspective, maybe marriage. Marriage gives you a perspective like we always yeah. hear. No? I try to avoid that word because it's just, <laughs> it's become such a, like a trite cliche, but um it's nice to have stability on the home front when you're traveling yeah. a lot. I'll what a that. great spin, spinning yeah. into like her being your foundation and your yeah. rock. And oh, like yeah. when you didn't have that, like you were missing something. Good, good job on that. Thank you. Everybody Thank take you. note out there. And that, this, out is, of that. this is fairly recent though, Dan, right? When was the the, the matrimony? It just happened. Yeah, the, the wedding was what, like 10 days ago, 11 days ago. We've been together for four years and we've been engaged for two years. So it's like, Nothing really changed. It feels like we've been, you know, we've been living together and we've been engaged. So really nothing's changed. I think the next big change will be a child, which is not anytime soon. So yeah. we're, we're good for a while. So 28 with it. With now sitting 10 years in front of you with two kids. Just take your time, Dan. Dude, I'm take taking your my time. time. I can tell I'm you're enjoying yourself. Taking my time. Yeah. Uh, so we're catching you shortly after the, uh, the U.S. Open. Uh, I, is it true? Joel Damon crashed with your folks. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Joel was, uh, I, I also crashed with my folks. That was where we stayed. So yeah, my parents, um, my parents live like maybe 15, 20 minutes from the golf course. So, uh, in the past, you know, we've hosted fits, but once you win a major, I guess you start getting your own house. That's kind of how it works. <laughs> but Joel, um, Joel's happy to take the accommodation. Joel was happy. Joel was happy. It was funny. I sent him a message initially, being like, because once I once I figured that Matt, you know, Matt travels with a with a team now. It's like a whole thing. Um, again, your life changes when you win a major. So I I sent him a message, being like, hey, because um, my dad was like, hey, like you know, we'll be around. We'd love to host someone for the U.S. Open. We're close. You know, my dad loves golf. He likes to hang around golfers. Uh, so I said you know, Joel, if you, if you qualify for the U S open, you know, you got a place to stay. He goes, well, I actually, I finished 10th last year. So I have a spot <laughs> and, uh, that's the hard part. So if you're game, then, then we'll take it. So yeah, we were lucky. We hosted him and Lana, his wife, who's great. And, and their baby Riggs, who is not named after my coworker. We discussed that at length. Um, but it was great. It was really, really great. And it was, it was interesting. I wrote about this a little bit. It was really interesting to see the difference in approach between him and Fitz, because you cannot, you could not get two more polar ends of the spectrum as far as Matt approaches his career like it's brain surgery. It, you know, everything is is tracked and logged and every minute of his day is is strategically filled with, you know, what he feels feels like will make him a better golfer. Whereas Joel was like playing tennis before the round and like drinking beers and, you know, it's just there's no, there's no one right way to do it. You know, everyone knows different style of golfers. And there's also, you know, there's no rule in life that you have to try to get every single ounce of achievement out of your body. And I think Joel is, I think Matt's happy because that's what makes him happy. And I think Joel's happy because I don't think he'd want to be one of the best players in the world. I don't think he, I don't think he could, would enjoy the stress and, and just, you know, those guys at the top are very, very 
very singularly minded. It's very rare. I'm talking about the, you know, the Morikawas and the Cantleys and the Victor Hovlins and the Schefflers. Like these guys, golf is, you know, one A, one B, you know, it's a, it's a huge part of their lives. And, and Joel's not really like that. And that's okay. I think that was super evident in the uh, the Netflix full swing, right? And yeah. Joel was the star that the bell of that ball. I mean, everybody who went into watching Netflix full swing that wasn't a Joel fan, I think, emerged as a Joel fan. Um, but you, sir, were a focal point of that show and one of the analysts. So tell us about that experience. Like, was there an audition you had to go through? I mean, like, yeah. it, it was very cool to see you guys give us that. I'll call it that journalist perspective, but also just like that fan perspective. I think you yeah. are, have always been. Success with that, Dan. Like, what what was that experience like for you getting on that show? Yeah, it was cool. I, you know, I feel very fortunate. I I never expected um, to have this level of of whatever word you want to call it, uh, being a golf journalist. But you know, it, it felt like there was this big spotlight that was just put on our sport by this show. So I first started hearing rumblings of it, you know, the drive to survive guys are making a golf show. So obviously when you hear that and you feel like you're, you're kind of a young face, who's, who's around the game a lot, like, you know, when I say around the game, I mean, at tournaments, having relationships with players, not just, you know, doing a lot of analysis from the couch. Um, and I, I, I kind of went through a couple people to, uh, get to Chad mom. Who's the, who's the executive producer who's, who lives in LA. Uh, I, you know, my parents live in LA, so I spent a lot of time in LA. Um, he, he's a golf Twitter guy. So he, you know, he knew me through that. We decided to play, or he invited me to play golf with him at his golf course. And I, I, you know, we drank beers all day. I think I shot like 68 and we had just a great time. And doesn't he hurt was just, when, it, when you post no, a number, it helps never a lot, hurts. And it helps a lot. It just does mm-hmm. every, every single interaction, you know, every golf game is better if the guy that you're playing with. And it's like, I, I, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I don't shoot the 68 where I'm like, like locked in and checking the yardage book. Like we were having fun. And so I think I was myself and we got along really well. And just like anything else, you know, life is kind of about relationships. It really is. And, you know, Chad and I became friends, but also I felt, I felt like I was uniquely positioned to, to be a uh, insightful voice in that show and give them actual insight. And, and, you know, I think I'm, because I've been around for a little while, which is strange to say at 28, but I feel like I'm not afraid to, say things about people, you know, I'm, I've, I've done it before where you say something and then you say something online and a video goes like, you know, semi-viral and then you got to see the guy the next day. And like, I've had experience doing that. And I knew that was going to be, you know, part of this. So, uh, yeah, just, just kind of became friends with Chad, uh, had a, had like a bit of an audition, I would say Riviera of last year, uh, just, just did like a little bit of an interview and, and I think, you know, getting more and more comfortable, um, yeah. So it's been good. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like with your experience with the full swing documentary and going through that, in what ways was that different for you than, you know, what you had done in golf previously? In which ways did it push you and really challenge yeah. you? It was very different because what I'm doing now is more similar, I would say. You know, I do a lot of these social videos where I'm basically giving the commentary that I would give on full swing. Um, but before I was, a, I was a writer for Golf Digest when I got this job. So I wasn't doing that much on camera stuff, you know, and, and it's, it's very different. Um, writing and talking are very different activities. Writing is a much, obviously a much more solitary pursuit. It's you, you decide when you're finished. 
you decide how long you want to go. You, know, you can go back and, and change things. And it's more of a, it's more of a planned activity, I would say, um, than talking or giving commentaries right off the cuff. You, you got to be quick on your feet. But I also think that there's, there's freedom for a little bit more expression. And I felt like one of my big frustrations at Golf Digest was I felt like I was just a name on a page and I felt like I had so much more to offer uh, than just writing. And yeah, I felt like I wanted to do a lot more video stuff. I felt like I had a personality. I felt like I, you know, I speak relatively clearly and I, you know, I feel like I'm okay at this and I, I didn't get a lot of chances to do it. So I think the Netflix show kind of opened my eyes to, I like this. I don't mind this. You know, I think when you're a writer, you grow up thinking that writing is the pinnacle of communication. And the people in the in the press room kind of look at the people in the broadcast room with a little bit of, oh, these guys, they love the fame. They love the cameras. And, and, and subconsciously, you start to believe that. You start to think that, kind of look down on that with disdain. And I started doing a lot of this camera stuff and I'd have you know, film crews, cause it's not just the, it's not just the, like uh, the, the interview portion, they'll come with you on the golf course and they'll film you to get B-roll and stuff. And like, if you aren't cool with that, it's a very uncomfortable experience. There's, there's cameras following you. There's people, they don't know if they should talk to you or not. Um, and I was kind of surprised at how much I liked it. And initially I think it was, um, there was a bit of dissonance going on because I knew I, that I really liked it, but I, I had been sort of conditioned to think that I shouldn't like this. I should be, you know, I should look at this with disdain and I should be writing as the pinnacle. And uh, eventually I just decided that I wanted to do more of this. And that kind of, yeah, that kind of led to, to the job now. It's such an interesting crossover or dissonance, like you said, Dan, that, and I was, I was curious about that interaction in the media tense, you know, while you're still boots on the ground, but you're also barstool personality. And so what's the, give us like the media tent. Is there, is it camaraderie in there with a lot of guys kind of doing the same thing? Is it competitive? Like what, what, give us kind of like an inside baseball. What, yeah. What's that feel like when you're there? I try not to think too much about it, to be honest with you. Um, there are definitely, I have friends in there for sure. Dylan DeCher is a good pal, you know, who was also on the, um, on the Netflix show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know, you know, some of the, the guys I used to work with at golf digest, you know, I definitely think that there's a little bit of a divide between the older guard that, that kind of views this more as a, almost like a newspaper type job, um, where I'm, I'm not part of the story. You know, I, I'm not here to tell my, I'm here to tell their story, but the media has changed so much that, you know, with, with the availability of highlights online and, and you can track every shot on the PGA tour so quickly. And, you know, the, the principal job of, of the news media or sports media used to be information sharing because that's where you got your information. You couldn't just go on your phone and watch the highlights of the round. So people would write articles and you'd read articles and you'd picture the shots in your head and they would have all this rich detail about the shots Nowadays, you can just, you know, I see some guys taking notes out there <clears throat> when they're on the golf course. And I'm like, you know, you can just go on shot link. Like you can just watch everything. So it's, it's like my grandfather, my grandfather, baseball games just used to keep every single stat there. And I just remember as a young kid thinking, I think I can look this up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I can, you can look this up, you, you know, it's just your value is not in sharing information anymore. Your value is your opinion on the information or your spin on the information or how you tell the information. But yeah, I mean, look, 
these guys are grinding on stories and thousand word stories and 2000 word stories. And I still do that. I still write, but only when I really have like a big, I don't do the daily, you know, here's what happened. Here's the shot. Here's the round recap. So when I, when I bring out the tripod and I'm filming stuff for TikTok, do I, do I feel some eyes burning in the back of my head? Definitely. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm very, I've thought about this a lot. I'm very comfortable with what I'm doing. I'm very comfortable with the direction that I'm taking. I feel like we're at the forefront of, of media, of golf media. And there's always going to be people who, who think that you're not doing the right thing with your career. And there's always going to be people who think that you should be doing that, or you're too good for this, or you're too good for that. But if you think about all those people, you'll be so paralyzed by, by thought and introspection that you'll never be able to do anything. So I just try to plow ahead and not really worry about it. I, I love that. And I'm going to ask a pretty cliche question. So I'll preface it with like, capturing something you're touching on there, I think uh, an aspect of the way the media has evolved and uh, there's a storytelling aspect to it now that um, the evolution that's occurred, there's narratives to put into it, right? It's not just, oh, here's a shot that was hit, here's who won. It's like, no, let's tell a story about someone so there's a personal attachment or let me, from watching your stuff, Dan, it's like I get to experience something through you, through your videos, right? And, and I've loved watching media evolve in that way, of course. I'm a purist and for the 2000 word piece to Sean Martin long, I'm always, uh, Sean's a good buddy of mine. It's like, Sean, I want to see a 5,000 piece out of you because that with reflection writing gives you that opportunity. Said other way, Dan, Kevin is a nerd. Yeah, <laughs> I consume everything and I love everything. I'm also- He loves it all. I'm, loves I'm a lover and empathetic guy. And But anyways, the cliche <laughs> question, the cliche question is, uh, rather than, I was going to ask, okay, where's media going? But let me yeah. just put it in your court because we want to get, you know, we want to hear this pod is about you. Like, where do you want to see me see media keep going, right? Like if you could really put your thumb down and say, I want to evolve in this way and this is where I want to leave my thumbprint, where do you want to see it go? Wow, it's, it's a, that's a huge question. Um, trying to make you uncomfortable. It, it was, it, it was think, long. Is that what you mean? It was a yeah. very long question. <laughs> I, I, think, I, think the, I think the Manning cast model is, is really, really intriguing. Um, I saw No Laying Up, I think, did some some of type of this stuff. Or either they have done it or they're going to do it. I think it's the, uh, you know, the, the, the PGA. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that, you know, we're doing what we're doing with the Corn Ferry event, the NV5 Invitational presented by Old National Bank. Got the full name in there. <laughs> Boom. We nailed it. <laughs> um, I think we want to break down this, this barrier between media and fan because, again, there used to be a different function. The media used to function differently. It used to function as information sharing, the news media. Like that's just not what you need to do anymore. So I think not shying away from the fan piece, it used to be that, you know, there's no cheering in the press box and, you know, there were all these rules because they needed to keep a, a certain guardrails on to ensure that the information that was being passed uh, is unbiased. But the information that's, that's passed now is just a video. You, you can just see it. So now it's like, okay, what, what value can I add? Well, the reason people love watching sports is because they bullshit with their friends, because they, they talk about it with them. They feel like it's a community aspect. I feel like leaning into that role and, and breaking down the barrier between being a fan and being an analyst is, is the future. I think people like Bill Simmons, I think, you know, what No Laying Up did, they were kind of first on the scene. And then what we're doing now where it's, you know, it's, it's, we, we don't hide away from, from our relationships. We don't, we don't um, keep secret the way we feel about people or the way we, we feel about things. I, I think there were all these rules that were in media for no real reason. There, there was this whole ecosystem of AP style and, you know, this is, this is the reporting standard. And again, 
if you're reporting about the war, I there's probably good reason to have that. But what we're doing is just not that serious. And so I remember when I got back from <clears throat> last year when Matt won the U.S. Open, I was out there and I was you know celebrating with him. And and I got back to the media tent and people were like, "Oh, you're you're you just lost all your credibility. You know, you just the the cameras just saw." And I'm like, "Buddy, it's just not that deep." It's just, it's just <laughs> yeah. not that deep. You know, I, it, it feels deeper now with the live stuff. It does feel a little bit more serious, but at the end of the day, you know, we're talking about a sport that is completely made up. So all of these rules to me just seem very unnecessary and archaic. And I think they're beginning to dissolve. I think following up on that too, like you, you brought up the idea. It's not that serious. At the same time, I, I appreciate the point you're making because I think it lets us make it more complicated, right? When we break down that barrier, at the end of the day, I think you know bias. We have bias in everything, and we, even when we try to be unbiased. But if we break down that barrier, as long as you're holding people's feet to the fire or telling the story as you see it, right? Yeah, you can be buddies with Matt Fitz, but let's say not that Fitz he would ever do this, but let's say he did something terrible, right? Like by breaking down that barrier, you have an opportunity to then report on that and talk about that, right? Whatever that would be, you now have that opportunity where if you're just playing that like, oh, let me separate myself, you don't have that insight and you can't tell that story. Yeah, I just think it's it's endlessly richer when when you can discuss. Look, I think the coolest part of my job, or one of many, is the access that I have to these players and, and the relationships that I have. What a shame it would be for me to keep that a secret, like, I feel like people enjoy getting to learn. Like, you know, I, we made a video talking about Joel playing tennis at my house and having his arm being sore because he was playing tennis. And I was like, yeah, dude, if you don't know how to play tennis, like your arm's going to get sore. And people loved it. And and that's the other thing is like, I think that there is this sort of, um, there's a stigma against playing to the audience of sort of like feeding the beast. But at the end of the day, the things that do well that's just a, another term for the things that people want to con consume. And who am I to tell people that, you know what? You shouldn't, you shouldn't watch these short form videos because, you know, we got to go back to everything being, you know, 2000 word. Like there's a reason that, that the momentum of the business and the money of the business are on a certain side. And I think people talk about pivot to video and people talk about social media with such disdain as though like, oh, the public is better than this. But like, who are we to tell them that? Who are we to to make value judgments on, on consumption. That's, um, that can I, be think deep. That, I think <laughs> yeah. about this stuff. I think about this stuff. Yeah, you do. No, be able to tell because I've gone from, I've gone from sports illustrated to golf yeah. digest to barstool. It's a, it's a big I, change. I, I and I've think, thought about this stuff pretty deeply. I think that, yeah, that's the, I, I love this like philosophical argue topic, right. Of like, to what level do we, you know, the mark, the free market is a, is such a fictitious notion, right. That's just like to remove the conversation, but like, this push and pull between, okay, low, call it, I hate this term, lowest common denominator, but whatever, we know what that means. It's a terrible term for it. But anyways, like the masses, right? Like as a media organization playing to that and what people will consume versus like, okay, maybe the ethos and soul of something that we want to maintain. And there's a balance there. And I'm not, I'm not arguing either way, like, but that is a balance to have. And I think you're, you're hitting that dead on the, it's, the head. It's definitely a balance, but also I want to make money. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not shying away from that piece either. Like there are definitely, and I respect people who are all about the purity of the, of the art and, 
And, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do, whether people like it or not, because they think that that's, I don't want those people to be gone. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't not want there to be 2000 word pieces. I just, from what I'm doing, I think you can do a little bit of that and feed the beast. And I think there mm -hmm. can be sort of a high, low strategy. but I don't even want to say high, low, because that again Precisely. implies a value judgment on, on these TikTok videos being low. But like, if I make a video, <clears throat> if I, if I read like a really good, you know, I do these 18 parting thoughts, comment, uh, columns after majors. If I do a good one of those, it might get like, call it a hundred thousand, 125,000 pages. Yeah. It takes a lot of work. A yeah. Lot a lot of, of work. work. My, it takes, my, it's hours take, and hours. takes a lot of work to read too. I'll be honest. Yeah. I did read it cause I knew we were chatting Dan, but yeah. I was like, wait, I, I think I just got what, what was in the video in, in yeah. three minutes. That's the thing. If I make a video on one of those 18 things. Okay. And the video takes, you know, to run, I don't, I don't edit them, which that's the meaty part of it. So I don't sure. really make the video. I, I, I write the video, I shoot it on my iPhone and then I send it off to a, a saint named Noah who does it. Shout out Noah. That shout out Noah. That takes, that takes probably the whole process. If it's done efficiently can take about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Mm -hmm. You know, that could, that could, it could be three or 4 million people across platforms. And so it opens your eyes to, yes, yes, there is something romantic and something, um, I don't want to say benevolent or all, but there's something like good and heartwarming about sitting there and working on this piece for a long time. And you know what? Even if it only got to 125,000 people, those 125,000 people were really engaged. And this is some content that no one else could bring them. But at the same time, which one is the advertiser going to want to get behind? You know? Yeah. So you're right. It, it's a constant balance and I'm, you know, we're trying to be as close to it as possible, but sometimes I veer too nerdy and sometimes I veer too TikTok-y and that's part of it. And again, it's just not that serious. We'll figure well, it out. I bet that fulfills you too, getting to do both of those things, right? I talked to my buddy. It does. Know. It yeah. does. I feel I, I have, I am endlessly fortunate um, to be in the position that I am where I, I don't have, I don't have quotas. I don't have, um, people who are checking in, when are you doing this? When are you doing that? I don't have, you know, editors who are telling me what I can and can't write. I feel extremely fortunate to be where I am. And yeah, just hoping it, to keep the good times rolling. Since you've been with Barstool, Dan, you can, I, I, I sense that about you and everything you're doing, man. Just the energy that you plug into it and the effort and the joy I kind of see across your face every time, you know, you get to do this stuff. I, it's it's pretty sweet, and I'm hoping that, and I'm going to shift, veer us into the NV5 Invitational presented by Old National Bank, the WGA's Corn Ferry Tour event. This is kind of significant. I think it very, flew under- Very it, significant. It flew under the radar a little bit for a lot of people, but the fact that Barstool is live streaming a golf event, tell us about this, because not only are they doing it, they're doing it with the Western Golf Association, where some of my my dear friends are, are active and have been there for a long time. Uh, they're in 1899 organization like they are old school golf like tradition you talk about tradition oh, you yeah. can't say it in golf the without western the western is, golf yeah oh, it's classic so, so tell us a little bit about like what we can expect how this came to be i mean i i'm i'm pretty jazzed to see what you guys come up with yeah this. we're really jazzed there's been a t it's been a ton of work i mean that's that's the first thing that comes to mind is putting on i mean i've i've never been a part of anything like this so putting on a live sporting event um is a, is a serious undertaking. And I have a lot of respect for these companies that do it every single week. So, because, you know, to, to sort of parachute in for us is really difficult. 
we're really excited. We view it as the next frontier of our business and, and kind of dovetailing off the conversation that we were just having about the future of media. It feels like the fans are sort of getting the, the controls of the ones and twos a little bit. You know, I, I still think there is definitely still an appetite for a good play-by-play announcer, a good color commentator who's going to teach you things while you're watching. But kind of what I was talking about before, that doesn't mean that that can't coexist with like a really silly segment or like a really funny, um, not that serious essay or whatever it might be. So, you know, we're going to be involved. The four play guys are going to be involved. And I think we're going to be sort of the centerpieces of the broadcast, but half the company is moving to Chicago or has moved to Chicago. So there's going to be a lot of other Barstool personalities who aren't golf people who are going to be out there. So we're really looking forward to it. We definitely view it as the next frontier for us. And hopefully it's the start of a lot of a lot. We want to do this. And the, and the company, you know, live sports at the end of the day is sort of the white whale for a, for a sports media company. You know, I, I worked at Sports Illustrated for a really long time. I think one of their biggest mistakes was not getting involved in, in live sports production. They had this massive head start in the 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. And ESPN came and ate their lunch because Sports Illustrated kind of looked down on TV is sort of the same, what we were talking about earlier, where there's this value judgment of, Oh, you know, online and streaming stuff. Now we're going to, we're going to be the, the publication of record. You know, there's that sort of almost arrogance. Yeah. Um, but so Barstool is all in on it. Barstool, you know, they've produced before I got there, they produced a football game, a a bowl game, the Arizona bowl also had a college basketball tournament. Uh, earlier this year, or maybe it was late last year, probably late last year. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's that's the goal. The goal is to br- just to bring the barstool energy and the barstool uh, kind of vibe to to a live sporting event. And the the early feedback that we've gotten from the basketball game and the and the football game have been super positive, and we're hopeful that that will continue with the golf. I know you're uh, a a big. Yeah, corn fairy tour kind of up and comer guy. Like you always squeeze it in, which I totally respect. Yeah, like yeah. the golf nerd in you just has to emerge sometimes, Dan. And I love that. Yeah. But uh, like going into the next week with the NV5 Invitational, are there players that you're kind of already eyeing or excited to see? Or there's, you know, what do you think are some of the stories coming out of the corn fairy tour that you're excited to explore? Yeah. Look, I think, I think the corn fairy tour, the college kids are really breathing a lot of energy into this thing. Um, you know, we're talking right after the U.S. Open, back-to-back wins by PGA Tour U grads on their professional debuts. We saw Adrian, mm-hmm. I don't even want to try to pronounce, Dumont de Chassar, I <laughs> Mon, think it might yeah. be. Illinois guy, um, went to Illinois. Obviously, he wins his first start. He had a four-shot lead going into the fi- the next week, and he's he's caught and passed by Ricky Castillo, who's played at Florida. So, I, you know, I think the, the Corn Ferry Tour, there's just... There's so many guys now who you know are only going to be there for like a year, and there's it's kind of exciting. It's an opportunity. It's, it's like it's it's really got like a triple A vibe where it's you know before I think people would think of the Corn Ferry Tour as a lot of a lot of lifelong grinders, and there's still that which I think is also a very cool angle. Guys who have been doing this for five six years, maybe they got to the tour one year, they they fell back and they're trying to claw their way back, or maybe they've never gotten to the tour. Maybe they're playing mini tours for six or seven years and they finally had a good Q school and you know, and that this is their last chance, but there's also the hot shots who, you know, are just, are just going to take off. And I think getting a chance to watch those guys uh, is really, really exciting. And, and to highlight those guys, because you know that they're going to be the PGA tour stars of, of tomorrow and, and not, not tomorrow in the loose sense of like three or four years down the road, 
you know, you look at the guys who won this tournament in the last three years. It's like, I think Scotty Scheffler and Cameron Young both won it. Those guys are both, both you know, Ryder Cup level. Will Zalatoris won Will's it. Will Zalatoris, I mean, yeah. It's so crazy. It's, you know that you know that you are going as a fan. You're going to be able to to go and see up close. To, if you go to the tournament, these guys who you know are some of the best players in the world already. And you know we've seen guys more and more. There's just the margins are tighter between college golf, the Corn Ferry Tour, and the PGA Tour. So I think it's cool. I think you, again we talk about this the high low strategy of you got these guys like Chris Goddard up, like uh, Adrian, who who you know are going to you know play on the PGA Tour very soon. And you also have these guys who are hanging on for dear life. And I think that that's such a cool. Anyone on the PGA Tour is doing okay. There are guys in the Corn Ferry Tour who you know I talk about opportunity pressure and avoidance pressure. Opportunity pressure is. You know, you're in the final round of the BMW championship and it's Patrick Cantlay versus Bryson DeChambeau. Those guys want to win. They definitely feel pressure. But if they don't win, they're still making one and a half million dollars. They're still one of the best players in the world. That's opportunity pressure. Avoidance pressure is I got to fucking start making some money so I can put some food on the table for my daughter and my wife. And if not, then I might have to take a job selling insurance. That's a different type of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think. Do you agree with this? Like, I think like the PGA Tour could do a much better job of foregrounding those stories, right? And foregrounding those those either the it's kids hard, or the whatever. Like, so we know those guys when they get up to the next level. But it's that balance, right? yeah. Because if you yeah. if you look at you know, yeah. watch a or go look at a, a piece of corn fairy content that the PGA Tour puts out, it, it'll be great. It won't do the same traffic as a PGA Tour right. piece of content will do. So. You know, it's like a guy like Monday Q info does such great work, such great work. And he's highlighting all these stories and, and the people who are bought in are super, super, super bought in. People will support it. People love it. But it's like, does it work at scale? You know, mm -hmm. so it's, it's just you know, like anything else. There's no, there's no clear answer. You know, it's, it's definitely a balance and, and we're, we're kind of working to try and to try and keep it. But I think for one year, I think for one week having us and having a new voice come in um, and blow this thing up, I think, I think we're going to, we're going to see a lot more attention on the corn Ferry tour, at least for this week than, than you would normally. And I think that's good for everybody involved. I know the, I know the Western folks are super excited about it. I know a lot of our Chicago listeners are super I mean, we're excited gonna be, about it. We're going to be there all week with a bunch of people and like, that is going to be our focus for the week. And when we put our full, the full weight of Barstool behind something, people tend to pay attention. So we're, we're super, we're super excited. Dan, th dude, thanks for, for joining us for on the bag drop. Uh, I know you got a hard stop, so we're going to, we're going to let you yeah. bounce. Um, but got my uh, own podcast to do. Yeah. Yeah. You got, you got a few shows that, that yeah. uh, again, the, the energy you bring to the game, man, I think we all appreciate as fans. So keep, keep rocking, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, we yeah. appreciate you coming on. All right. Well, let's get, we're going to have to catch up before the, uh, before the, the NV for sure. We'll do a little retrospective too. Yeah. We'll see you out there. Cool. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks Dan. Dan Rappaport. Boy, shot of energy this morning. Caffeine right into the veins. No, I was, <laughs> you know, uh, I'll get us in trouble maybe for saying this, but Barstool isn't necessarily my cup of tea in terms of what I like to consume. But I always say this, like, I very much appreciate any opportunity to interact with them, uh, any of their members, any of their members, and Dan's no different than that in terms of just powerhouse, smart, motivated, articulate, thoughtful people, right? Like, talking about an idea with them is always a blast. Um, yeah, I, 
I, I mean, I, I, I'll kind of simplify a lot of what the discussion was, but one of my big takeaways is, especially even before talking to Dan, in, in golf media and all the stuff we consume, it's like Barstool has such a strong place because the fan perspective has really kind of lacked behind other sports in golf, right? And and so Barstool brought that like front and center. And I think bringing in Dan has been really interesting for that dynamic of the four-play pod and, and all the other Barstool personalities who – it goes to show like even their big guys are, are more excited and involved in golf. And they look to Dan, who has this, you know, voracious appetite for the story, for getting into the weeds on stuff. And that just brings it to the masses so much more easily. And so I, I think about like, and he called himself, you know, that balance between the golf nerd and the TikTok videos and the long form and short form. But he he really brings it to the forefront is what I think is as I watch it happen. And, um, you know, maybe it's simplifying it too much to say like it's a way of of getting golf fans maybe deeper into the appreciation of the game or the appreciation of the pro level or, or whatever it is it's it's like that that better entry point or we talk a lot about accessibility on the show it's accessibility of content in a, in a lot of ways that you can understand what, what the story is and then you know Dan hits us with the 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 inside stuff the stuff that he's getting from his personal relationships out on tour I I think it's it's real when you start thinking about it, it's fascinating I know it gets you going oh yeah I mean I could sit here and rant about the push and pull um you know and the balance of I appreciate innovation and new things but simultaneously like what that can devolve and get what can it remove from the scene and I could talk about that, that go on forever but like I think one of the coolest things okay I'd frame it this way. Yeah, people might not like what Barstool does, the type of content it is, and be like, oh, what about the old media and yada, 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 which I probably side on that. Like, I give that critique often in the sense of I hate seeing long-form pieces disappear. But I'm going to flip that criticism on the people that write the long-term pieces. I think places like Barstool, because they break down that barrier, right, and they break and they get the players closer to fans, they actually make things more complex and more complicated because they raise... they unveil more of their personalities, more of their everyday lives. And that creates an arena for which long-form writers can focus on, right? Like if we see Joel Damon playing tennis or whatever, like in this other approach here, dive into that, like break down those approaches or, you know, bring politics into the game, right? In the sense of like, the more we break down the barriers, the more we see authenticity in the players. And that creates spaces for writing and reporting to actually report, dig in more into the long form pieces. So I think one way to reframe, you know, what they do is like creating opportunity for those long form pieces to to that, through exposure of the players and putting them out there. Yeah, it's it's more it's like growing the 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 audience or the pie for people that may actually dive into that long form article is that it's kind of said a different way. Yeah. yeah cause, it's, I, Cause it has to be clear. The businesses is where my problem is too. Like not on the, the bars, like the writers and all that. It's like when the businesses are only making bottom line decisions and removing things just cause they make less money. Right. Or they like, they lose a little bit of money. It's like, no, you can lose a little bit of money if you have some sort of soul. Um, that's yeah. okay to lose over here and gain, gain a lot over there. That, let's talk about this live stream uh, of Barstool.tv for the MV5 Invitational. I mean, it's the start of them in the golf. Like, what you and I watch a lot of pro golf, whether it's on in the background or, you know, we're watching Sunday of a major. We, we like to pass jokes back and forth in our Slack. But what, uh, like, what do you think about this direction? I mean, I think you're a huge fan of the Manning cast. Like, is this, is this the next big evolution for you as a golf fan? Do you want to watch people watching golf? 
Um, I want to watch them watching golf, commenting on golf in intelligent and information giving ways, right? Like, why do I love the Manning cast? Because you're getting some of the best in the game, speaking about the game. And uh, it's an op- for me, it's an opportunity to learn when I watch that. And they do it in a very enjoyable way too. Like I laugh, like all of that. You get some personalities there. Yeah, it's not that they're 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 having on guests that aren't necessarily an authority on football. They, they they are kind of the authority on football, but they they bring in a lot of people that have very little association with the game, and and that actually brings a lot of humor and just lightheartedness to it, which I think Dan was alluding to in some of their you know segments that they're going to be doing next week. Yeah, so keep doing that, right? So I like Tony Romo's announcer. Like you learn something from him, and and the Barstool guys that'll be there, you know, especially Dan. They know the game very, very well, and they're gonna they're gonna speak to the audience in an intelligent way, right? And not treat the audience as a dumb group of individuals, um, which I think we get from the PGA Tour broadcast often. They're making improvements. Let's be clear. Uh, I think they've made some improvements recently, but we've always talked about the comparison of the PGA Tour broadcast versus the F1 broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, one speaks to you like you're a knowledgeable person and you want to learn about the sport, and the other one doesn't. Uh, so yeah. Kudos yeah. to them jumping in and also featuring the Corn Fairy guys and the guys that are really out there trying to trying to guide and make, guide, uh, grind and make a living for themselves. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's gonna be good. And there's some there's some sticks, man. Headed like Ricky Castillo has been playing so good this year. I'm excited to see him. Um, there there's just a long list of Corn Fairy Tour players I mean, that'll be your, out there. You, you let me get my take. What's your like? Are you excited about this? What's Yeah, What do you you look at it as in terms of the market landscape and and what's going on in golf? Gosh, I mean, it's a, it's a loaded question, obviously, but I think, I think it's where where I see it the most is, you know, I've been a golfer as long as I can freaking remember. I was recording Ryder Cups on my VHS and rewatching them before bedtime. Like I'm not the, the market that needs to be necessarily tailored to. So I always kind of keep that in mind. What I've enjoyed, especially about Barstool, and I think this streaming uh, product that's going to hit the game of golf is my buddies. You know, my buddies have gotten into playing golf. My buddies haven't really gotten into um, watching golf, which I find fascinating, right? If they do, they're watching YouTube videos of the Barstool guys or the No Lane Up guys. So they're not really, you know, in into the pro game other than the majors and, and you know, the, the headlines perhaps. But I think that's the opportunity I see is like, I, I, I love having a relationship with these guys that grew up playing other sports that now are playing golf and we talk about the progress of their golf game and everything. And uh, it'd be cool if, if they could, you know, talk about some Corn Ferry Tour players with me when I'm out playing, right? Like, I, I think that's the way I, th- I look at it is um, it's, it's, it's different and you shouldn't pass judgment. I'm a big fan of tradition in a lot of ways, but it, you just gotta know that your experience isn't the experience. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people that still have yet discover the, the joys of golf, both playing and, and watching. Like it, it's uh, it kind of one in the same. That's like the biggest strength of, of golf. And I think the Barstool guys have the opportunity to connect those dots. I mean, look at Trent and his breaking 90s series. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, do people, my buddies, they're all trying to break 90, man. That's like right where they're at. And so it's, it's relatable, it's interesting. And then you throw in a guy like Dan that has this really sophisticated experience and really in-depth analysis. And, and it connects those two dots, which I, I think that's, if you didn't have one or the other, I think I'd, I'd probably say like, you know, I'll pass, but it seems like they have an eye on that and they're kind of mm-hmm. connecting those those dots between them. 
mm-hmm. between the audiences. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, man, that was that was great. I I am uh, excited for some Corn Ferry Tour golf. Big thanks to the Western Golf Association and the MD5 Invitational presented by Old National Bank for uh, sponsoring the pod for these last couple months, man. I, I just think it's been fun. Um, not just the guests that we've had on, they kind of have an association with the Corn Ferry Tour in this event, but uh, just just in the game, you know, we, we we look for partners that, stuff that we can get excited about. I think you and I have been excited about this for a while. So thank you to the Western Golf Association. They're headed to uh, the Glen Club with the NB5 Invitational, July 25th through 30th. Uh, you can watch it on Barstool TV. You can watch it streamed, but I did want to remind everybody that you can actually go to the event, going to Corn Ferry Tour events. And Dan, Dan touched on it so well. You get right up next to them. Like there's no crowd to fight. Last year, we stuck with the lead group with Nick Hardy, who was trying to fight in front of all, you know, hometown fans, but we still could get to every tee. We still could get to every green. And he was fighting for the championship, which he eventually lost down the stretch. But it's, it's really is a fun event. The Glen Club's a great place to spectate golf. And, uh, and you can get tickets uh, available at mv5invitational.com uh, and, and upgrade your experience to the Corona Premier, uh, the hangar presented by Corona Premier. So um, thanks to them. This is going to be fun next week. And uh, Professor, good to be with you as always. Always. <laughs> <laughs>